0: The Nation State of Play podcast is produced by IBC Media in San Diego, California. Hi, and welcome to Nation State of Play. I'm your host, Brian Miller. On each episode of this podcast, we explore high-impact topics determining the future of our nation state. Thanks for listening today. We have a great guest. This is Janelle Smiley, who is the author of As Long As You Don't Turn Them Into Weirdos. She's talking about an issue that is, I think, front and center for parents throughout the country, and particularly here in California which is the different options that are available for students if they don't want, uh, wanna be in the traditional public school environment, both during the pandemic, or maybe generally for other reasons. And she's working with an organization that's really trying to raise awareness for the different options that are available. Uh, she's really been one of the leaders in bringing this topic to the forefront and also advocating in Sacramento to make sure that we keep choices and options for students and parents. The author is Janelle Smiley, coming up next.
1: Coming this fall, IVC Media presents the Cannabis Enlightened podcast, brought to you in part by March and Ash. My name is Chris Cantori, and let's meet your host, Dr. Leroy Brady. My name is Leroy Brady. I'm a PhD. I am a college professor. I teach business at San Diego City College. I've been doing that for 21 years i uh, going on 22 now pretty quick. Um, one of the things that I really find exciting about what I'm doing recently is that I'm working in the cannabis space. I'm teaching a course called The Business of Cannabis, which is exciting. Very quickly, I'm becoming the professor that knows the most about cannabis, the business of cannabis, and working with our various cannabis partners here in San Diego. So, Dr. Leroy, tell us about the Cannabis Enlightened podcast. Cannabis Enlightened is going to be different. It's not going to be telling you what not to do. It's not going to be telling you that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. It is going to be bringing out some facts that you probably don't know about cannabis. It's going to be more than cultivation and to the dispensary. It is going to be bringing cannabis home to the individual So that you know that cannabis and what comes from cannabis can aid us in our health today and in the future. Well, Dr. Leroy Brady, we certainly look forward to the Cannabis Enlightened podcast here with March and Ash and IVC Media. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Welcome back to the Nation State of Play podcast. Well, Janelle, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to have you.
2: Hi, thanks for inviting me.
0: So I would love to start off by hearing your description of the organization. I I know this is a really, like education is a hugely hot topic in California politics these days, but you have a really unique take on it. So yeah, give us a little overview of your organization and how you got involved in it.
2: Um, It is called the California Parents for Public Virtual Education. Um, And the way I got involved in it is that Mike read the book that I wrote about our homeschooling journey. And he found me. Um, And so he asked me if I'd be interested to be on the board of directors. And then this year they asked me if I'd like to be the president. Uh, Just lucky, I guess. And really what they are is just a grassroots coalition, all volunteers um, trying to get people to more aware of uh, the options, school choice, um, the many, many different ways to do school other than the traditional um, classroom-based public school.
0: So it's uh, part of this is online charter schools that you're focused on, but I take it that's not the sole version of of this that you're interested in?
2: That's right. No. um, we, My family did online public virtual charter school. Um, That's just one of the many ways you can do education um, and education at home. And so this group is more about um, school choice in general across the board. So what is best for your kids and your family, that's what should be done for your kids or your family correct
0: so um could you kind of give a little bit of a description of where california is generally i know every school district's different on this but but yeah kind of kind of an overview of what is available um in different places in the state in in terms of these options
2: um i mean well everything from virtual online school that um that is done in your house but it is done through a a curriculum that is made to be done online at home um, with real certified teachers, um, proven curriculums that are made to be taught in this way. Um, So we have, there's uh, California Virtual Academies, there's all, um, that's the one we used, well, I'm just pulling a blank on the other million different ones that are there, just all the way down to traditional homeschooling, unschooling, um, choosing your own curriculums, um, having no oversight from real teachers. I mean, there are, and then there are the charter schools that are classroom-based as well. Um, so, I mean, there's just so many different options.
0: And and what what do you want to see the state do in this space? I know you've pushed some specific legislation, um, this, this legislation session's wrapping up, but what can the state do from Sacramento's perspective to make these choices more widely available?
2: I mean, as far as what can the state do, I mean, they tried to, uh, they introduced Assembly Bill 1316 earlier this year. Luckily, it's been sidelined for now, um, thankfully, but um Really, what the state is trying to do is trying to make it so people cannot choose the way they do education. So, what the state of California needs to do is allow parents a seat at the the table when policymakers are making policies and passing laws. um, Parents need to be heard. Um, Parents have been completely excluded from that process, um, which is incredible to me. But um, the only people that should be deciding what's best for their kids are you know, the caregivers and the parents. Um, And so as far as what the state of California can do, they can listen to parents. um, They can make all the options that allow the funding to follow the student, which is what they're seeking to stop doing. Uh, They want only to fund the traditional public school, the neighborhood classroom based schools. They don't want the, the funding to be allowed to follow the student if the student chooses to do school in a different way. So, I mean, that's just gonna damage damages and is hurtful uh, to so many families who especially now during uh, the school closures and the pandemic are finding huge reasons to remove their children from the public school system.
0: Yeah, so let's dig into the politics more about this. So we're we're talking about the teachers unions and, and we're talking about the enormous influence that they exercise over California policy. So um, sometimes it, I struggle a little bit to to see where the rub is. I'll just give an example from our, our, my kids' own school district is we have an independent study option available that's, mm-hmm. that still needs to employ teachers. Um, I, I yeah. suppose less uh, teachers, but I think that's primarily because there's less people who choose that independent study option because um, it's a combination of virtual classes and right. in-person small classes. So let's go ahead and dig into that. Political debate a little bit more. What what is it that the teachers unions want? Again, because I, I struggle with this sometimes. I, I I struggle with sort of understanding. Well, there's you know they they still need you still need teachers to do independent study programs because they're still supervised by teachers. They're just supervised in different ways. Um, if you do um, even online options, you have online teachers often. So. Uh, what, what is what is the rub when you sort of are debating these issues in, in Sacramento? Where 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 is the where is the point of conflict really at?
2: What we're finding is the teachers unions. Um, yeah, like it is, it's just the way it's been done all this time. I think is the main thing. Um, I don't and be, to be clear, I don't think teachers are the enemy in any way, shape, or form. Teachers unions, however, are they want to um stop this sort of progress which it is progress um especially with schools closing because of this pandemic finding a different way to do school is very important right now so because the the zooming in the classroom model is not working so i think um i don't know what it is but teacher teachers unions do want to shut this down Um, they want this the money to the funding to stay in the public schools only they don't want the funding to follow the student um, and that's a very good question, and I don't know the answer. Why, why do they want to do that? You would think that teachers, which of course any type of school that you do needs teachers, um, and we, why wouldn't teachers want to do the best thing possible for all kids? Um, so it's it's a confusing question for me uh, personally. I don't understand why they wouldn't be on board with. Um, discovering and utilizing other programs that are available.
0: Yeah, and so I, I wanna go back to the debate that you just had in this last legislative session It's still ongoing, um, but this debate about AB 1316, can you describe a little bit more as to what that bill would have actually done?
2: That bill sought to make it so that uh, the the hordes of people bailing out of the public school system during the pandemic Um, the closures uh, of the pandemic, Um, that bill wanted to make it so that um, uh, parents were not able to choose to sign their kids up or enroll their kids in public charter schools, essentially, and especially public virtual charter schools. Um, So they didn't want the money to follow the student. Uh, uh, A charter school, a virtual school can expand um, on demand um, very easily. Whereas a traditional classroom based school cannot do that, they have, they can have X amount of students, you know, um, that's all they can take. So, um, that bill really would have made it so that people cannot choose to do education. They want to do it for their children. Um, and so it's very important and luckily it's been sidelined and it needs to be defeated, um, so that kids, so that people can choose the best option, especially if regular traditional classrooms public school classrooms are not open um, so it's very important to allow all these options
0: great so so where where do the charter school teachers come into this debate so, so that's I'm, I'm sort of curious as to, as to how this is breaking down because because I would imagine like that the teachers at charter schools would essentially agree with your position is that fair do
2: you mean do you mean um, Classroom-based charter schools—is that what you're talking about?
0: Well, both. Let's let's start with classroom-based charter schools, but, let, but let's also talk about the right. other
2: right. I think one thing that has happened um, because of the pandemic um, and the closures of the schools and things is that um, generally the, all these groups that are parent coalitions and whatnot, like like ours is, um, they worked separately because we did things so differently. So. They were separated by being a public school one or a private school one or a homeschooling one. Um, they've all really because of this have been banded together and have grown you know, exponentially. Um, they, And yeah, so, so yes, charter school teachers really are of the mind that yes, we need the funding we, we need to be able to expand because so many families are trying to jump out of the public system, the traditional public system and get into a different way to do education. Because of this, the school closures of the pandemic, it's being highlighted more than ever. Um, and rather than the state of California trying to squash this, they should allow this, the funding to follow the students. And yes, the, the charter school teachers are very much wanting that to happen. They need to stay open. We need to be able to expand. Um, my neighbor is actually a charter school, a principal of a of a public charter school, a classroom-based one, um, and he has some. He most definitely um, is uh, in agreement with these, you know, needing to strike down bills like 1316, needing to um, expand the ability to provide for the huge amount of families that are now coming out of regular public school.
0: Do, do you see that as a long-term trend, not something that will go away if, um, you know, once we, you know, finally get to a place where this, or um, COVID is, is not spreading anymore? Do you, do you see this as something that is um, is more of a true long-term development?
2: I certainly hope so. Um, um, I think that what has happened, because Really, because parents were sort of forced um, to watch their kids do school at the kitchen table, essentially, um, which where you're going to have your nightly sort of dinner time conversation with your high school age kids about, hey, how was your day? Um, and you know, you might be a little bit more involved in that in their school in their education, but really not very much more than that. And um, because of the closures, everyone sitting around the same table doing their daily routine, um, some deficiencies were definitely highlighted parents had to pay a lot more attention and were shown oops, you know, why are you learning this? Why is this being taught? Why is this being taught in this way? You clearly can't learn this way. Um, that type of thing really came to the forefront. Um, so, I do believe and and, and there's our hope that that all of this has highlighted um, the fact that this should not go away, that these movements are going to get stronger. Um, that. Parents really are interested in what's best for their kids. I think across the board, all walks of life, it's safe to say, parents really want what's best for their kids. Now, if public school is what's best for your kids, that's great. We're all about the choice, school choice. That should always be an option. Um, nobody's saying that that should never be done that way anymore. Um, but should we should definitely always keep in mind now, and I don't think it's going to go away um, that these other options need to be made available they need to be funded um, they need to be free you know they need to be public um, for all
0: all sorts of people to be able to choose okay so yeah let's let's dig into that more in terms of the proactive side of what the state can do so stopping bad bills like 1316 is one thing but what what beyond stopping the bad what should the state be doing to encourage the goals that you're talking about
2: what should the state be doing? Well, uh, I, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> I think allowing, I think just making it more public, making it known, people, parents need to be able to choose. I think the state needs to invite parents to the policymaking table. That's the main thing that could be done. Um, parents need to be heard um, and parents need to be able to stand up and say, "Yeah, you know, this does not work for my kids. Um, I need to try something different. There are many options out there. Um, it, I think it, teachers unions need to uh, to be on board with this um, and for some reason they're not and so I think the state of California needs to change the way that's been done traditionally they need to um, really embrace this movement and to change uh, the way this is being done I think parents need to be allowed to choose um, don't you think you have children um, don't you agree that you're the best one to decide what's best for your kids.
0: Yeah, in fact, I've got one in independent study who's who loves it and is thriving, and another who's the captain of the cheerleading team at a public high school. So, as, as you say, different different strokes for different kids. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I I'm curious then what you think at the at the local level should be done in terms of educating. People about these options just to give you my my personal example. I I had never heard of the independent study option before COVID. Um, just not not on our radar at all. Maybe that's on me. I don't I don't know. You know I, get, I do get a lot of emails from the school. I can't swear that I've read every one of them, but um, but I, we started looking into it. Of course, during COVID, for the exact same reasons you're talking about deficiencies, and then realized oh, that is just a better fit for one of our kids, not both of them, but but one of them. Uh, generally, so. it it sounds like you think there's a role that the school districts themselves need to do better at in terms of awareness and education on these programs right
2: I I suppose it's just allowing the different opinions and and schools of thought uh, (laughs) allowing them and then talking about them um, rather than just trying to control the whole thing in the old-fashioned way which is really what it's become. Um, So it would be great if this wasn't a us versus them fight. Unfortunately, it is. Um, it needs to be an all of us wanting to fight for the same good goal. And that is what is the best way to educate our kids. Um, so as far as what at the local level can be done is to just advocate and to be more aware and to allow um, other opinions and voices to be heard.
0: So Janelle, you've actually written a book about your own personal experience on this issue. So yeah, I'd love if you'd kind of tell us what you're focused on in that narrative.
2: Sure, so yes, Um, it's called As Long As You Don't Turn Them Into Weirdos. Um, That's exactly what my husband said to me the day I sat down with him at the kitchen table and told him that I thought I would like to take our boys out of public school. He kind of looked at me with a blank look and he said, well, okay, as long as you don't turn them into weirdos. And so it's it's been a joke all these years and it it became the title of the book. Um, This book is really just, it's not a how-to, it's more of a, you can do this too, um, because I'm not a teacher um, and I struggled for years. Um, I didn't take my boys out of public school until the beginning of fifth and third grade. Um, So they started to, hate going to school as early as first grade. So it took me that many years to decide to jump off that cliff because it is very scary. Homeschooling was never on our radar um, ever as parents, Um, but it became very clear very quickly. Um, While we loved our school and we loved our teachers, um, education done in that way just wasn't working for these kids. Um, And so I had to do something. It was sort of destroying our happy home life. And uh, my kids were just becoming just hating learning, hating going to school. So I had to do something, and it was drastic. But what it was was I pulled him out of school. So this book, um, actually, I started writing it the second my youngest came downstairs from his last day of high school. He said, "Mom, I just took my last final. I'm done with school," and that was it. Our our school was closed, and I actually sat down at the table that day and started writing this book and within six months it was published. And uh, so it's really just an encouragement. It's just a, if I can do this sort of regular people like us, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, and I just really talked a little bit about how we did things and how it turned out for us um, uh, success story all around uh, education wise. So uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm curious for the families who might say, okay, well, makes sense for some families, but I don't have the time I don't have the time maybe I'm a single parent you know multiple working parents whatever it is what what what's your answer to folks who just are too intimidated by this topic because of their time constraints
2: right I mean definitely it is intimidating um trust me, even people that are in the middle of it are still intimidated sort of daily by it because you really feel like you could really screw up your kids Um, and people um, are busy. Yeah, you know, that's certainly clear. People have to work, people, uh, and also people really just feel like, no, there's no way I could ever do this. I'm not patient enough. I'm not smart enough. Um, That's what teachers are for. That's what public school is for. Send them off and and, let those people do that with my kid. Um, So yeah, I think that's common. I think everybody probably feels like that when they start um, doing this. Um, It's just important to know that there are many, many groups of people just like us who have gone through it and finished it successfully. Um, There's just a lot of support today out there. Um, So many different ways to do it. So many different people to talk about, to talk to uh, about how they did it. Um, it's really hard to screw your kids up these days. You can't turn them into pajama wearing all day, pajama wearing weirdos, unless you really, really try to do that on purpose. Um, and there are people that do that, but (laughs) there's just so many things to be involved in and, um, community things and education, things, sports and whatnot. Um, so yeah, while it is very intimidating, um, there are so many ways to do it and there's so much support out there today, um, that. If you're having any inkling of a doubt at all about, is there a better way or a different way to do school? um, The answer is yes, there is. And there's just lots and lots of support out there.
0: So I'm curious what you think of any role the university system has in encouraging this flexibility, because I, I definitely, you know, hear a lot of parents say, and it's true in our experience, is like being concerned, of course, like, oh, my God, how is like, you know, how's a college going to look at the grades that they got in, in a different type of school? And we, we quickly got comfortable with that. But, uh, but I, I'm, what's, what do you say to parents who, who raise that concern with you?
2: Right, Uh, there's a whole chapter in the book about can I get into college if I did school this way? And the answer is a huge yes. Um, Universities today actually seek out these kids. Um, Kids who've done school at home and especially the program that we did, that kind of school, but really across the board, homeschool wise, these kids are more ready for college. These kids are more focused on sort of self-teaching, being more independent. Um, They have not been sitting in a classroom being talked at, you know, all day long for years and years and years. They've actually had to deal with learning how to learn um, themselves. A lot more, like in high school, it's a lot more like college where you're gonna go to a lecture and then have your tasks set and then do them. Um, That's how we did high school. So um, our program was a real program that had real transcripts done and all that. Um, uh, my kids were able to choose the rigor and the pace at which they work so as far as getting into universities, they were offered Every university that accepted them, which was many offered them uh, huge merit based scholarships. So just for example, they graduated with a 4.3 and a 4.8 grade point average because they took super high, you know, rigor loads of classes. Um, so That question is a huge resounding, yes, they can get into college, they can get into huge colleges, amazing colleges and get scholarships for the work that they've done at home. Um, So yeah, I was definitely afraid of that too. Um, And it just turned out to be a non-issue. And I don't think it could have turned out any better for us as far as that goes, like full scholarships um, for academic
0: achievement. And do you think the universities are doing enough to communicate that I, that I, I totally hear hear what you're saying. i I, I would only just flag i i'm I, I see that in the data, and I got comfortable with it myself as a parent once we started looking into it. i've I hadn't I can't say that I've actually seen universities be explicit enough about that topic, and I, I feel like that could really help. but what is your take on that?
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. I don't think, uh, I never heard of any of this stuff before. So yeah, from from regular neighborhood based public schools when they're younger, uh, nobody ever talks about all the different ways you can get into college and colleges and what that can mean and how that looks. Nobody ever talked about that um, while we were in public school. And then the universities themselves most certainly we we were recruited academically and athletically actually they were both swimmers both boys but never anywhere did they talk about well it's okay that you did school this way I don't think it's nobody puts it out there um they it's becoming more prevalent today so um it is happening I think schools there are certain schools that are advertising in that way like hey if you've done school this way apply here and see what we can do for you so that is starting to happen more and more but but as in the state of California with the UC system and then our state school system, uh, they do not talk about, um, you know, hey, if you were homeschooled, here's what you can do. If you know enough about it, you can research it yourself and advocate for yourself, for your kids and you can find. So they do have, it is there in the literature of each school, I think, that, hey, here's what you can do. Here's what we need from you. If you've done school at home, Um, You can, there are classes that can teach you, the parent, how to make a real transcript um, if you've done school at home that way with no over, like no umbrella over you. Um, So, I mean, um, yeah, it needs to be a bigger deal, I think. It needs, um, colleges, universities need to make it clear that these kids are succeeding and thriving. Now they've had 20, 30 years of homeschool kids come through, you know, um, and proven to be very successful so um and i would even venture to say more successful for the most part than public school kids so i mean um they need to shout that from the rooftops and it's not being done why is that i don't i don't know
0: (laughs) yeah so i i wonder if covid might change that in some indirect way right Right. it's it's just now now we're going to have you know a few years of kids with you know at a much higher scale of non-traditional environments and um and and, you know i I think we're seeing even in in the data today i read a story this morning that um even though kids can go back to school in some areas certainly now with delta they're, they're choosing not to and choosing to to do these online options or alternative options wherever possible so um, so i you know i wonder do you see do you see any potential um, opportunity here from the you know the unfortunate the terrible disruption that we've had but at least bringing these alternative options into a higher awareness even if it's at nothing more from the university level who's simply going to have essentially two years of kids applying now who who've had you know a different experience than than other kids
2: yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think the the closures, the pandemic closures have, like I said before, have super highlighted um, some real things that need to be addressed in the public education system. And I think this is a big one. Um, yeah, kids right now who are juniors and seniors who have done their last two years of, college, or of school, um, basically sitting at the kitchen table, um, yeah, I think I don't think it's going to go away. I, even if COVID goes all the way away, you know, I think um, this has been a silver lining in an otherwise very gross little black cloud that, that, um, uh, yeah, that things need to be looked at in a different way. Um, that people need to get louder about it, more vocal, um, and then the institutions, schools, universities, um, teachers' unions need to be open to listening to what's happening out there and it, things need to change. I think we've gone along the way we've gone. And I mean, I was a regular public school kid and kind of slid through the, you know, through as as I needed to. And, um, but really I think, um, yeah, having to sit at home with your parents and do school um, has highlighted a lot of things that need to be changed. And most parents are now of the mind that, well, okay, we need to change uh, maybe the way we do school altogether. And I think they would be smart universities and, and public schools, would, it would be the smartest thing for them to do to jump on board with this um, and learn from all of these organizations that are out there doing school the way they've always done it at home, virtually. Uh, they didn't miss a beat during this pandemic. They were able to just go on and do school like they've always done it um, while public schools were struggling um, to make Zooming in the classroom work and it didn't work. So, I mean, um, it just makes sense to me that they would wanna jump on board this and learn from these people that are already doing it this way.
0: So if people wanna read your book, pick up a copy of it, where can they find it?
2: It's available on Amazon and from the publisher Zulon Press, Um, Barnes and Noble has it, Um, Google Books. Um, It's just out there. Uh, Yeah, it is great. It's a very encouraging, it's just kind of light and funny, it's lighthearted. Uh, And it's just about our journey from start to finish um, how we started why we started and how it turned out and some of the funny things in between just you know because it's hard and it's messy and um, it takes a lot of effort on your part, but the the main message is that it's worth it. So yeah. um, Hopefully people read it and become encouraged that there are different ways to do school and that it uh, you're not going to ruin your kids um, <laughs> and unless you really, really try hard to and um, universities do want them. Um, and they, you know, now I have my oldest is, uh, he's got his master's degree in architecture and he's now fully adulting at the age of 24, working for a firm, um, you know. So, I mean, it turned out just about as good as it can. And my youngest is still in college. So um, yeah, we are an example of of start to
0: finish, for sure. Uh, It's it's a great story. And and if people want to read more about your organization or find out how to get involved, what's the website they should go to?
2: California Parents for Public Virtual Education. So CPPVE is the name of the organization. And look it up, Google it, and it is all over the place. And become involved. That's the main message. Parents need to become loud and become involved.
0: Great. Well, Janelle, thanks so much for making the time. It's great to have you on the show. Um, obviously, this is hugely important issue. It affects the whole state, it certainly affects parents and children everywhere. So appreciate you helping to raise awareness of it.
2: Thank you so much for having
0: me. It was a pleasure to speak with you today. We invite you to share story ideas, comments, and questions. Find us at neptuneops.com or on Twitter at, at nationstateofp1. Again, that's at nationstateofp and then the number one. Follow us and subscribe to listen to all of our episodes as we continue to explore the inside stories driving California policy. The Nation State of Play podcast is produced by IBC Media in San Diego, California. This is the Nation State of Play podcast, exploring the inside political stories driving public policy in California. Powered by Neptune Ops and presented by IBC Media. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and thank you for listening.
1: American democracy is good, but we can make it better. The National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers includes organizations across the country who are working right now to build a better democracy by opening primaries, implementing safe, secure voting systems, reducing corruption, and increasing transparency. Listen to our weekly podcast, How to Win Friends and Save the Republic, to hear updates from the latest movements in the democracy reform space. Subscribe and learn more about us at nonpartisanreformers.org.